Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. We're so glad you are here. Thank you so much for being here at Brazos Fellowship this morning. I'm Pastor Will Lewis, and we are kicking off a brand new series entitled Faithful Today. And the subtitle is Fueling Your Faith in a World on Empty. So what we're going to do over the next five weeks, starting today, we're going to talk about five essentials that God uses to grow our faith. Anytime you hear a testimony of somebody who says, here's how God grew my faith through, usually it's a difficult time. Uh, sometimes it's through incredible, you know, kind of breakthrough, good celebratory kind of stuff. But many times it's difficult times. But you'll hear one of these five, maybe a multiples of these five. Over the last three and a half decades, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people share how God has grown their faith. And I have heard these over and over and over and over. They're things you see over and over and over in the Bible and that we see them in our life. It's just the way in which God has chosen to do it, so it's always a good idea to kind of go with what God's doing. <laughs> you, and if you don't know what God is doing to grow your faith, I had a mentor tell me one time, if you don't know what you're doing right, you're always one dumb decision away from messing your life up. So you need to know, it's always good to kind of hone in on, okay, this is working, this is good, God's using this. So that's what we're gonna be doing over the next several weeks. And how do you push the gas pedal down in the areas where God is doing the most. So, um, as we talk about that, um, we want to begin with kind of asking the question, okay, we're talking about five essentials that grow our faith. Well, why is faith so important? Now, you may be saying, well... <laughs> All right, I think we ought to all be on the same page. We're here at church that, you know, we, we, we probably should all, but let's just assume for a minute we don't really quite know. The reason that faith is so important is that you will never be closer to God than your level of faith or level of trust. We can use these interchangeably. Like Jesus did. It was always about, do you really trust God? Do you really trust, do you really put your faith in him? And when we say that, when we're talking about putting our faith and trusting God, it was more than just a belief for Jesus. It wasn't like, do you adhere to these statements of faith or this doctrinal statement or this theology? And all of that is important and good. But Jesus, his invitation to people wasn't, do you agree with what I agree with, he says, come and follow me. Come and do what I do. Come and live as I live. That's what it meant to be a disciple, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Now, we've gotten away from that today. And for many people, it's like, well, being a Christian just matters what you believe. But Jesus would probably argue with that and say, it's more than just belief. It's what you actually act on, how you behave, put into practice in your life. This is really, really important. So, this is how faith tends to grow. Um, and it's not something that we do by ourselves. The disciples didn't do it by themselves. We don't do it by ourselves. As a matter of fact, I bet you have said this statement before. I'm so glad they, whoever they are, showed up in my life when they did. Who would you say that about? Like, I'm so glad I met him or her, them, 
I'm so glad I, my family members showed up, my friends, whoever that was. I'm not sure where I would have, uh, that I would have made it through without, who would you put in the blank? I'm not sure I would have made it through this difficult time, through this ordeal in my marriage, my financial stress, losing my job, whatever that was, having this baby, having a physical ailment, or both of those things, whatever it was, I'm not sure I would be here if it weren't for these people. I'm not sure I would have made it through. I don't know how I would have made it without them. Maybe you have said that before. Who would you say that about? Okay? Who would you say that about? Who are those people in your life that have been instrumental, that have been kind of defining moment kind of people? I want to share with you a couple of stories of people that were that way for me. One of them was a seminary professor way back in 1995, let's say, uh, about that time, and I was in seminary a long time. Some of you are like, I wasn't even alive then. I know, so let's don't talk about it. But anyway, <laughs> make me feel really old. But I remember having a seminary professor, his name was Dr. Calvin Miller, who poured into me, was an, an incredible man of God, an incredible author, he was kind of a celebrity on our campus, and I, for reasons I still don't fully understand, took a liking to me, and we started a friendship and had coffee several different times, and I remember coming to him, explaining to him, I really feel like I need to be doing what this other guy, who had been kind of a mentor in my life, that I should be doing what Scott's doing, and he said, Will, don't worry about what Scott's doing. I want you to focus on what God is doing in your life. And I, you're a different person than him. As a matter of fact, here's what I see in you. And he went on to share with me some things that he saw in me. I not only didn't know I had, I had never heard another person tell me that ever before. It blew me away. And it redefined how I understood maybe what God would do in the future. And part of his story that he shared with me is that he had been, before he was a seminary professor, he had moved to Omaha, Nebraska, didn't know anybody, and started a church there that had thrived in that community, he and his wife. And I remember when he would tell me the story, it was like a fire was lit inside of me, like God saying, and I want to do something like this in your life. And I couldn't dare to believe I had no preachers in my family. I had no ministers in the, in, as far back as I knew. And so I just, I'm like, we're Lewis's. Like, this is not what we really do, you know? We're, you know, we're blue-collar kind of worker people. Like, that's, that was what my family had been. And he helped me to dream bigger and different than I had dreamed before. And maybe you've had a person like that in your life. Another big person that has done this for me is my wife, Leslie. I know she's sitting back here. I'm going to embarrass her a little bit. But she has helped me so many times where I'm all like worked up, wound up, ready to go and about to jump off a cliff. And she's like, could we just wait just a second and ask a few questions? <laughs> she has helped me to not drive this place off a cliff several times and or my own life or many other scenarios at Brazos Fellowship with our girls other times where she's asked questions that I'm like, it's actually a really good question. Or she'll say, is there a nicer way to say that? I'm like, oh, yes. There's a nicer way to say it. And she's right. You know, sometimes you can be telling the truth to somebody and the way you say it will shut them off and turn their back on you and you'll never talk to them again. And you can leave there going, well, I was right. And you were, but you said it hatefully, and it shut off the relationship. She taught me that. 
And I want to tell you, uh, she's been a huge influencer in my life and has blessed this church in ways that nobody will ever know so many times. But you maybe have had a person like that in your life that has brought insight or encouragement to you right when you needed it. Or somebody who brought perspective or hope when you felt hopeless. Speaking of hope, if you missed Pastor Sean's, or Pastor Sam's message last Sunday, you need to go back and watch it on hope. It was an amazing, amazing uh, sermon. And then maybe they're the person that God uses to correct you or confront you in love. We don't always like that, but we need that sometimes. It's the people who are willing to do these things at just the right time. We call those providential relationships. Providential relationships are those relationships that God brings. It's like God knows. God dropped them in your life at just the right time. You ever had that happen before? You look back and you go, that had to be divinely appointed. It's crazy. She said just what I needed to hear. He said what I need, like challenged me in a way that couldn't have come out of anybody else's lips. It had to be from this person. And this is part of the reason why I tell parents many times, this is the power of having your kids in uh, transit and inside out over here in the annex. If you have teenagers, you can say things, and me too, as a pastor of this church, let me just confess, say things to your blue in the face, to your teenager, and a college student over here that maybe just learned it this week will say it in their vocal cords. They go, that's the most profound thing I've ever heard. I'm, can you believe what she said, what he said? And you're like, yes, they are brilliant. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Anyway, but we need people like that. We need people partnering with us like that. Providential relationships. They're so powerful and so important. And it's really easy to miss that. But when you hear people's story of faith, how their faith grew, you almost always hear a defining moment of when somebody stepped in that they didn't expect, maybe weren't looking for, and it changed everything for the better. As a matter of fact, people and relationships can redefine our life for better or for worse. Just see if you would agree with this statement. Let's take a look at this statement together. Even if you're not a Christian, I bet you would agree with this. Our best decisions and our worst regrets usually involve other people. Now, even if you're not a believer, you're not a person of faith, you're not a Christian today, you're not a follower of Jesus, I bet you would look at that and say, yeah, that's been true of me. <laughs> My worst regrets was usually with these certain people, right? The, the weekends, the dates that I went on, the spring breaks, the like whatever parties you went to, like you tends to be certain type of people, right? That you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't, I wish I'd turned that invitation down, right? And then other times where it's been the, one of the best decisions of your life, there was another type of person that was there that was a defining kind of relationship in your life. It's powerful how it works, and so, um, but we really shouldn't be surprised at the fact that God uses relationships to grow our faith because this is how Christianity began. You see, God sent his son Jesus to earth to become one of us, to be God incarnate, right? I had a seminary professor once that said, think about God incarnate like um, um, anybody here like uh, Tex-Mex like me? You like Tex-Mex? Okay, you know what chili con carne is? It's chili with meat in it, right? 
God incarnate. It's just God with meat on him. All right? I'm like, you're speaking Tex-Mex and theology at the same time? I, I love this. This is helping me so much. So anyway, maybe that could help you. But that's what Jesus came. He, came. he came as one of us so that he could relate to us, so that he might transform us. He might heal the deepest part of the wounded and broken and sick part of our heart that is, a, that is prisoner to sin. And he came to set the captives free, to help us to break out of that. And this is so beautiful. But it came by way of a relationship. And uh, in the four Gospels that start the New Testament, and so if, just in case you're not familiar, the New Testament starts with four Gospels, these four books that are the works and life of Jesus, the historical account of Jesus, named after four men that were his followers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The last of the four, John, Chapter 1, verse 1, begins like this. Beautiful. In the beginning was the Word. This is a metaphor, a symbol representing Jesus. This logos, this Greek word, meaning reason, logic, the rationale behind all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Equating Jesus with God. God in the flesh. And then we skip down to verse 14. He goes on. The word became, let's say it together, the word became flesh, like you and me. He was willing to do that and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. John wanted to make sure this was firsthand accounts, what you're about to read, of people who have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, let's say it together, the only son Make no mistake about it. It was Jesus who came in the flesh. And when he came in the flesh, he made all of his invitations, all of his challenges in the flesh. And a little bit later in this same chapter, John chapter 1, down in kind of the verse 40s region, he finds a man named Philip. And he says, Philip, come and follow me. And Philip says, you bet I will. I'm going to follow you. And the very first the you know action of business he did as a follower of Jesus is he went out and found his good buddy Nathaniel and he tells Nathaniel he says hey you know this Messiah the Christ the anointed one that we've been looking for that Moses prophesied the prophets of the Old Testament prophesied about everybody talked about all through the Old Testament that he's coming he's coming he's coming he's here it's Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph and Nathaniel was like one of those friends that you've had, maybe it's like a wet blanket. You tell, you're trying to share really good news, and then he responds, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Right? Like, that's so funny. It's just, there's so many places in the gospel, it's like, this is, they're trying to get it right. They're trying to record accuracy, not trying to make everything sound rosy. Because a lot of times, that, you wouldn't include stuff like that. Like, Nazareth, really? That podunk town? You're telling me the Messiah came from over there? Come on, really? And I love Philip's response. He says, come and see. Come and see. He was a providential relationship. Come and see. And that is exactly what Nathaniel did. He came and he saw and he encountered Jesus. And for the rest of his life, he was grateful. Because God, through his buddy Philip, gave him a front row seat to God bringing salvation to planet earth and got to see it through Jesus and got to be used as one of the disciples of Jesus. It's incredible. It changed him forever. 
this, this, this uh, providential relationship right here reminds me of a really cool story that happened actually here at Brazos Fellowship a long, long time ago, back in 2007, in the spring of 2007. There was a young man that was attending at that time. His name was Brendan Thompson. And um, he had a roommate. His name is Holland. Actually, here is a, a picture of Brendan and Holland. Here's Brendan and here's Holland. This tells you how old this picture is. They're standing in a blockbuster video. <laughs> Look at the videos on the wall back here. I, I was cracking up looking at this this week. Anyway, this is a long time ago uh, in a land far, no, this is a land right here. Anyway, um, so here they are standing together, but Brendan's been inviting Holland. Holland said, I wasn't really into Jesus. I was into my girlfriend, if I could be really honest. I talked to him this week to make sure I got my facts straight, okay? He said, I was saying no, 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 no. Didn't really want that. And he has some, some tragic stuff begin to happen in his life. And he had been told there's help in Jesus, that you can find uh, forgiveness in Jesus. And so he began to read the New Testament. He opened to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. He'd been reading. He was in chapter 5. He told me, I was in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm starting to read, and he goes, and I always thought, I'm a pretty good guy. Like, I'm, I'm like, I do things for people. I'm better than most. I feel like if anybody's going to make it into heaven, I think I can make it. I think I'm, I'm moral enough. I think I'm good enough. I'm going to make it in. He goes, but I start reading where Jesus is saying, not only if you have anger or contempt in your heart towards another person, if you ever said something contemptuous about any other person ever, you were in danger of the fires of hell. Or if you lusted in your heart towards another person that's not your spouse, he's like, holy moly, I'm not going to make it. I am not going to make it into heaven. I don't know if you've ever had that moment, but that moment is critical to anybody who is going to later become a Christian. And he said, man, it was like a ton of bricks hit me, and I'm sitting on my bed, and like tears start welling up, I'm crying, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, there's no way I'm going to make it. I, I, can't, I will not be going to heaven. And he said, right about then, Brendan comes into the apartment. He's like, bro, are you okay? What's going on? He said, Brendan, I'm not going to make it to heaven. I'm like reading what Jesus actually said, and there is no way I'm going to make the cut. He said, and Brendan got a big old smile on his face, and he said, bro, I got some good news for you, because Jesus loves sinners. And at the end of that story, all four, they count, he gives his life for sinners. He resurrects from the dead so that we might be forgiven. And the shackles can be taken off. And he says, if you want to, you can invite Jesus into your heart right now. You can ask him to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life. He's like, let's not wait another minute. Let's, let's pray. They both knelt right there. He prayed to receive Christ. And he goes, it was the next day I came to Brazos Fellowship. Because <laughs> he had been inviting him for a while. He said, I came to Brazos Fellowship and he said, I, 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 just a couple of weeks later, yeah, you guys were having a baptism. It was on April the 15th, 2007. We had only been in this building, not even in this building. This building wasn't here yet. It was on the other side of that wall. We only been in this building for like six months. And um, I remember baptizing Holland. As a matter of fact, we found a video that was shot by his mother on her phone, so forgive the quality of it, but I wanted to show you. Here's Holland getting baptized here at Brazos Fellowship, April 15, 2007. 
servants around here that helps us so much in our media area back there. I can't help but notice all the hair I had back then. This morning, I want to just ask you, have you come to a place where you've asked Christ to forgive your sins and be the Lord of your life? Wonderful. We celebrate that with you, brother. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Raised to walk in the way of life. Well, it's so cool. So after that, Holland begins to serve here at Brazos Fellowship. There was another volunteer by the name of Evan Prothro. He was an A&M student, and he came up to him, and he said, look, you need to start serving with me, and I'm going to disciple you. And he was like, yes, sir, okay. So he, he did exactly that. He started discipling Holland. They start serving together in the, back in the sound booth. And back then, we had a Saturday night service and three Sunday services, and he would serve at all four of them. He would come on Saturday. We don't ask this of everybody, but he just decided that's what he wanted to do. And he would come on Saturday night. Well, the early service, you got to get here pretty early because the band's setting up and warming up and all that kind of stuff. It's like 6, 6.30, very early. And like a lot of college students, he overslept one Sunday. And he said, one of the band members came up and let me have it. Now, we have really nice band members now. Back then, they were pretty mean. <laughs> and... Uh, he said, somebody let me say, he goes, I was scared to death to never be late again. So this is what he did, y'all. He started on Saturday night when he would finish um, serving, he would bring his sleeping bag and sleep in the sound booth. We didn't even know he was doing that for a while until we come in and like wake him up. And he's like, all right, he was never late again. Now, we don't recommend, you know, people sleep, you know, setting up their residence up here at the church. There's some liability issues with that, but Back then, it was just really cool. That, that was his heart that he wanted to serve, and he did for the next like three or four years. Served up here, many more providential relationships that poured into his life here at Brazos Fellowship. And he left here, was a part of a ministry in Dallas, then left there and moved to Austin, and he went to seminary. And now today, he is the pastor of Eastside Community Church in Austin, Texas, which is just amazing. And I mean... Yeah, this is Evan preaching the word right there. But it's just so, I mean, uh, pardon me, Holland. And uh, Holland told me this week, he said, please tell the church, thank you. Because you guys, there were so many countless providential relationships that prepared him for what God was about to do next. And that did not stop in 2007, 8, 9, 10, when he was here. It's still going on today. And this is him and his family today, him and Jenny and their four kiddos. And it's just beautiful to see how God will do that. And he wants to continue to do that now. But let me just say this. Providential relationships are not something that we can create. If we could, they wouldn't be providential, would they? But you and I can be intentional. We can be um, proactive in making sure our life is connecting with other people whose faith, and the word of God is informing the way they make decisions for their life, specifically how they make decisions when they're going through massive difficulties of their life. When you see people going through heavy-duty difficulties and they're holding on to their faith, they're continuing to choose to trust, have faith in the Lord. Spend time with people like that. Let that rub off on you. It's powerful. But our tendency as human beings is to take step back from people, from, from church, from, from community gatherings at times. The author of Hebrews warns us against a tendency, a habit, something that has caused people to lose their faith over and over 
down through the eons of time and history, and he warns us against this in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's take a look at it together. He says, let us hold unswervingly. We're not going to keep moving. We're going to be steadfast. Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. But you need to be around other people who believe that and trust in that faithfulness. And let us, let's say it together, let us consider, right? Give it some thought how we may spur one another on to encourage, to inspire, to provoke each other on towards love and, let's say it together, and good deeds, not just a set of beliefs. Beliefs are good. Doctrinal statements are good. Creeds are good. I'm not, I'm not dogging on theology, but I am saying if it stays there and doesn't turn into a different lifestyle, it did not do what Jesus intended. He was always about, go out and put this into practice. Go out and live this. Do what I am doing. Follow me, he tells us over and over again. And then Hebrew writer goes on to say, not giving up, let's say it together, not giving up, meeting together. Meeting together. This is so powerful. Don't give up meeting together. And it's not just a few people that were doing this, and it wasn't just in 2020. It wasn't just in other times in history. And I understand there were times where we had to, we had to do what we had to do, but to come back together as soon as we can, as some are in the habit of doing. Because the habit, humanly speaking, is I want to be by myself because then I get to call the shots and I can do what I want and I can go where I want and spend my time how I want and I don't have to worry about serving you and I don't have to help you and I don't have to encourage you. It can be all about me. And we think that that is freedom. We think that that is the secret to life. And Jesus says, that's not it. That is a dead end. That is a lonely cold place to live your life you need to make time for others and you need to make time to connect with other people of faith as some in the habit of doing but encourage one another continue to encourage and what they're saying what essentially this writer of hebrews is saying is that when it comes to our faith proximity matters being close to each other physically close to each other it matters being in this room and worshiping live if you can we know some people can't because of physical issues and challenges we understand that but if you can get here make it a priority come get in a small group get in a serving team let those lives connect with your life there's such power in that because when when proximity begins to matter to you here's what you will notice and i have seen this happen over and over through the years is that people who tend to lose their faith, they lose their faith when they lose contact with people of faith. You're easier prey, right? You're easier prey. And, and even in the New Testament, we're told when Peter writes in his epistle, like the, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. Think about the way a roaring lion hunts. He looks for the, the one of the herd that gets off by themselves. They're easier to attack, right? When all of them are bucking you with their horns and they're all defending each other, it's real hard to attack the herd. But when you got one off by themselves 
and they're not watching and they're not looking they're easy prey and i just encourage you this is this is so powerful that when we make time to be together it's it, it changes everything and conversely we lose faith when we lo- when we lose the people of faith staying connected to community faith grows our faith it really does it accelerates makes us go further faster in our walk with god this is the unseen power of providential relationships that god uses <clears throat> in our life over and over if i could put it another way and i've seen this happen in small groups i've seen it happen on our staff i've seen it happen in my own life when we see god's faithfulness like when we share stories of what god's doing in my life and i hear what god's doing in your life when we see god's faithfulness in someone else's life it's easier to trust him with ours when you hear that it puts gas in your fuel tank of faith it's amazing you feel faithful you feel more full of faith whenever you hear other people's story and if you're not around people of faith you won't hear those stories and it just makes sense that when we intersect life, faith is going to get stronger. This is why from the very beginning of Brazos Fellowship, we have made a priority of small groups, of people coming together, sharing life, sharing their story, sharing what God's telling them. Even all the way down to our Brazos kids, over in our youth area, in transit and inside out, 242, our college ministry, in our small group ministry for all of our adults here, in our starting point ministry and so many others we we utilize this idea of getting in groups and discussing here's what god's teaching me here's what i'm learning this is what is happening with my faith it's amazing how when we do that you'll begin to experience accelerated spiritual growth it's so powerful so when we see god's faithfulness in someone else's life it's always easier to trust him with ours it's always easier. And I just want to encourage you with that. And one of the things that you'll hear us teach here at Brazos Fellowship, from the kids all the way up, teenagers, adults, and this is something we've found to be abundantly true, your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life at any given time. I don't care if you're 14, you're 40, you're 95, 105, it doesn't matter. It's the people that you choose to do life with. They will influence the direction of your life and the quality or the strength of your faith at any given time of your life. This is why it's so important to intentionally connect your life with people who are intentionally trying to grow in their faith. When we choose to trust Jesus and we choose to intersect our life with other people who are trusting Jesus and trusting his word, let me just tell you, I'm going to guarantee you, if you will do that, you're going to find your faith will get bigger, it will get stronger, and you can endure any opposition you face in this life. It's that powerful. And I'm telling you, it, it is an incredible gift that God has given us through the body of believers. As a matter of fact, Jesus only gave the name or the moniker of the body of Christ to one thing on planet earth, and that was the church. When it's working right, it's the body of Christ. Don't neglect that from your spiritual growth. So, so here's the challenge I want to give you today. If you have unplugged, and many of us have over the last several years, unplugged from community with people of faith, today, here's your challenge. It's time to reconnect. 
It's time to reconnect. And there's no better time than right now, ladies and gentlemen. We are kicking off all of our small groups right now. And I just want to tell you, this is why this is so relevant. This isn't just another ministry to be a part of. It is something that is critical to the growth of your faith. And I just want to encourage you today that you would be willing to join a group that you would be one. Women, we have lots of women's groups. Couples, we have lots of couples groups, right, that are still open. And I just want to encourage you, if you would, scan that and get your phone out right now if you want to. It's not sacrilegious. I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity. Please do that right now. Scan that, or you can go to brazosfellowship.com on our website. There's a box right there. It says join a group. You can click that. Register. Let us know what we can do to help you to take that next step. It doesn't commit you or guarantee that you're gonna you know you're locked in or something like that at all it's just helping you to take that next step if you would but take that next step to get plugged in we see more providential relationships happening out of these small groups than really any other place in our church and and maybe the challenges for some of you who are plugged in if you know someone who needs to get connected would you please make that call send that text, that email, that phone call, that you would have that face-to-face conversation just to, hey, I just want to encourage you that one of the greatest things you could do for your faith is get connected. And, and, and that could be here at Brazos. Maybe it's another church. It doesn't matter. We just want you to get connected to the body of Christ somewhere because that's how your faith will accelerate and grow. And it will help you to face whatever opposition that the future holds. Or maybe you're going through it right now. But being able to make that call, just like Philip did for Nathaniel, just like Brendan did for Holland, God wants to do it in your life for someone else. A simple invitation to another person, simple invitation could change the trajectory of their life, could make you into a providential relationship for them. And when they tell the story of their faith, they will talk about you. And when you tell the story of your faith, you're likely to talk about them too. That's how powerful it is. And like I said, Holland wanted me to thank you guys for being so instrumental in his life and changing the course of his life through providential relationships. Now, in just a second, we're gonna, I'm going to go over our application prayer and we're going to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting Justin and Emmy to come back out. They're going to be singing a song that kind of wraps this whole message up to, in just a moment. And, um, but I want to just have you pray with me this prayer of simply saying, Jesus, help me to become more intentional about my relationship. Use them to grow my faith and to use me to grow others, all right? So I just want to challenge you right now that you would just be open in this prayer just to say, God, help me to begin to think about relationships differently, providential relationships. Where have you put people like that in my life? And maybe you need to go back to some of these people and say, thank you for being a providential relationship. I don't even know if you know that, but God used you in such a big way to help redirect and, and to save me, to encourage me <clears throat> to keep from train wrecking my life. And maybe God wants to use you to be that very kind of person in someone else's life. Would you say yes today? And maybe for some of you, the relationship you need to begin is with Jesus himself. Become a follower and just say, I've tried it so many different ways. I want you, Jesus. I want to follow you. If you would, let's bow together in prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you for your love. We thank you that relationships aren't just relationships. 
that they can be springboards for a defining moment, uh, a, a redefining or shaping of us spiritually. It can be a time of massive growth or discouragement, depending on the person. And I pray all across this room right now that we would be willing to say, God, guide my life with providential relationship. Open my eyes to where you have put these kinds of people around me and help me to intentionally spend more time connecting with them. And if you don't have those kinds of people, would you just say to him, God, help me to get connected in a small group, a serving team here, where I can connect with providential relationships. Would you right now, wherever you are on this spectrum, would you just be willing to say, yes, Jesus, I put my yes on the table. I'm willing to take the next step with you. If you are willing to say yes to him right now, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody here, I'm ready to take that next step. Anybody else, I'm ready to take that next step. In the balcony, in the floor. I want God, open our eyes to the relationships around us. We are shaped more than we realize by those that we pull close. We are shaped more than we realize than those people that we let pour into our life from social media, our friendship circle, and so many other places. And I pray, God, that we would redirect today and look for those providential relationships. You may lower your hand. And for those that are sitting here that would say, I want to have your relationship guide my life, first and foremost, Jesus. That's the first one that you need. Would you just right where you sit, if you know today that you've been putting it off, putting it off, you've been pushing it back, just like Holland did for a long, long time, many years, but today's the day you know, today I want to invite Christ into my life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to follow him as his son or daughter. Would you pray right where you sit if that is your desire and say, Jesus, forgive my sin. Cleanse me completely, Jesus. I choose to follow you as my Lord and my leader today. I follow you with all I've got. If you just ask Christ to forgive your sin and that you are going to be his follower from this day forward, would you just boldly raise your hand right now just saying, Will, I'm, I'm following Jesus. God bless you right back there. I see your hand, ma'am. And up here in the, in the balcony, God bless you, bud. I appreciate you. Honesty, boldness, courage, faith, trust in Jesus. Anybody else back over here? I see that. Right back over here. Anybody else? God bless you right by the sound booth right there. I see you. God bless you. Anybody else giving up my life over to Jesus? Up there in the top of the balcony, I see you. God bless you. Father, thank you so much. We're moving on our hearts today, God, redirecting people. Thank you, Lord, that this is a providential moment, and I pray that those that leave here, that are, their lives are being changed, that they would take a moment to thank somebody who invited them, somebody who was a part of that journey. And God, may you continue to include people in their journey forward. Help us all as we look for those people, and we would intentionally connect with them we pray it all in the powerful and amazing name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.